Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here on this December 1st, 2021 edition of the show. We are 24 hours removed from the Knicks' loss to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, score was 112-110. But first off, let's hear how my man Nafi's doing. What's going on, man? How you doing? Doing all right, bro. I mean, just the very fact that we fucking lost those motherfuckers is—it's is, still it's still got a bad taste in my mouth, basically. But Otherwise, can't complain too much. How you doing, bro? Doing all right. I mean, it's it's crazy the effect that a Knicks win can have on the next day. Like the days after a Knicks W, it's glorious, man. I have a good ass day. I'm productive. <laughs> that's that's probably when I'm at my best at work. But those Knicks losses, man, they 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 take a toll, especially when you're so accustomed to it for years. But I mean, if you're ready to get into it, I'm ready to get into this this loss. When it was the Brooklyn Nets and their six men, well, three six men for the refs, basically going against the Knicks, and the Knicks lost by two points. If you, you you ready to get into it? Is it three six men? Would it be like six seven eight? Kind of a. I mean, I don't know. They're all equal level. That's uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they got eight guys on the court versus our five guys. We'll put it that way. But what? Me let, let me ask you a here, question. Bro. That whole game, that whole game, right? If you had to bring it down to one word on how you feel, 24 hours afterwards, you, you got to come up with one word for for the result of that game on how you feel. What would that word be? I mean, bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's technically three words. I mean, bullshit, but like literally bullshit. Is that one word or would that be like bull dash shit? Either way. I don't know where you got three from. It's it's either one or two. It's It's one, probably. I don't know where the hell you got three from, but... I mean, I literally meant anyway. three, because, like... Because I think I just said I mean bullshit when you said give me one word. So I literally gave you three. Either way, you see. Right. You see where I was going there. But, um, nah, bullshit, just because, like, you saw the explanation. Or, like, this is apparently from Julius, the explanation you heard from the ref. He was complaining about the calls, obviously, which we'll get to it. But, like, that technical was bullshit. So that's why, you know what, bullshit's a good word to just encapsulate the game. But, so Julius was saying that apparently he's not getting the same calls as, say, KD or or Harden. And I'm paraphrasing what Julius said. Because when he gets hit from the defenders or whatever the fuck, it doesn't look as bad or, like, it doesn't, like, really phase Julius. So he's getting penalized for being strong as shit, basically, is what this ref told Julius. I want this shit investigated. I want this shit, like, turned upside down, bro. Like, we can't, we've... We as a fanhood have to put our foot down. And I'm only partially serious, but it was just some fucking bullshit. Like, just seeing that, I, I was just, like, annoyed as shit, bro. Because part of me, just as we made that comeback going into the fourth, after what looked like the game was going to be a wrap at the beginning of the second half, I was like, no, nah, we're going to win this shit. Despite the obvious discrepancy in how the game was being called for one side for the other, you know what I mean? But then when we lost, that's why... I, like that's that's what really fucked me up. I cause I could have I was really swearing that we was gonna take that win, but I just went on a whole ramble. But yeah, that's my one word bullshit. What about you? Let me toss it back to you. 
Do you yeah. concur with the bullshit? Yeah, of course I concur with the bullshit. Um, Randall, I mean, that excuse for, you know, guys being too big, too strong to get the same kind of calls that other players get, that's not something new that we've heard. We've heard it for plenty true, of other players true. throughout the NBA. But in today's NBA, it's not something you expect. And, you know, I, I put a tweet out it for it yesterday. Randall took 22 shots last night, and only two mm. of them were three-pointers. The rest of them were inside, and he only got two free throws. And I and I swear those were both and ones. I, I'm, I, don't know, I don't think I'm crazy. I'm pretty sure they were both and ones. So he wasn't One getting the calls that he should have been getting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he took two free throws. If, you know, they're both probably and ones. If I know one of them for sure because he got it off KD, and the other one I can't remember, but it had to have been an and one. Um, but in any case, only two free throws in this game from 22 shots is is bogus, um, especially when, you know, on the other side, they're getting those calls. James Harden wasn't getting the calls that he normally would get, but he was getting them this game. Um, but, no, I, I, I figured you were going to say bullshit, so my word <laughs> is a little different, but we'll get to it later because it, it – puts a little twist on things from you know where we're at right now see that's not fair you asked me to just get give, give a word on the spot i had to literally like boil it down we we as humans we have we we consist of multitudes but you over here just asked me to like encapsulate my thoughts in one word what like it's, it's not cool bro i'm ready to say my word but it's gonna it's gonna twist <laughs> everything around it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna fuck with the mojo so Let's let's keep going for a little bit. We'll come back to it. I, I swear I'll I'll use the same word. But in this game, when KD is double dribbling, Harden is traveling. You saw you saw that you saw that little jump hop step they did. No, I, <laughs> he was playing skip to my Lou up there. Fuck that shit. Bullshit. <laughs> yo, like, I mean, Harden is back, yo. I mean that that breakup with little baby did his man wonders. He ain't back. The goddamn refs resuscitated him, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm sorry for being vulgar if folks are, like, listening to this in a in a setting that would, you know, wouldn't be, you know, conducive to vulgar words. But, no, nah, that shit was fucking bullshit, bro. Like, th- this is what I mean. Like, I was telling you offline, I didn't want to be those fans that have gripes about the refs because at the end of the day, you could talk about the game in itself. You know what I mean? There's plenty to talk about there, but... I don't know, man. It just and then tips came out afterwards, and this is why we're gonna kind of harp on it, and then we can move on from the officiating if you want. But I just want to bring this up. Tibbs like really coming out in the post game conference, a uh, press conference rather, to like emphasize how fucking bullshit the officiating was. I feel like that was significant and might actually low key contribute to a turning point we're about to see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because to be honest. Steve Nash and James Harden, and I know Harden as far as, like, mm-hmm. comparison to Julius, as far as, like, reputation and on the spectrum of NBA stardom, there is a big gap. But nevertheless, Nash and Harden was whining publicly mad times. And I even go, we could even go back to our own playoff series against Atlanta last year. You know what I mean? When um, Nate McMillan, he had, like, a calculated campaign to talk about how, like, all oh, the league wants the Knicks to, uh, you know, advance to the playoffs. And then there was what Trey Young was getting away with his bullshit more yeah. often than not. It's about like kind of you know shifting the narrative in a way where you do influence these refs because they're human at the end of the day. But if this if this kind of leads to Julius getting more respect from the refs, and I'm kind of sp- skeptical it does, but it can't fucking hurt at this stage. You know what I mean? That's probably my takeaway from that. Yeah, and the complaining was warranted. I 
I think Julius has been complaining a little too much this season overall. Last no, game, yeah. I feel, was warranted. But overall, I feel like That's every fair. play, we got to see you know, him complain to a ref. And it's it gets frustrating as a fan to see, especially when you think back to that article from the Atlantic last season where he was talking about his kid you know, mimicking his game and just being a complainer. And that, you know, unlocked a new level. And he stopped complaining and just buckled down and just played the game. You know, I want, I do want to see overall less complaining from Randall. You know, that technical foul last night was bullshit because the refs looked back on it and they gave their, you know, their comments at the end of the game. And they said that Harden did foul Randall. And <laughs> because Randall didn't get that foul, he got pissed and started yelling at the ref and got that tech. So, yep. you know, that's, yep. a, that's a three-point swing right there. And the Knicks lost by two points, so who knows. One note I, I want to make on that, though, and we can kind of dig into some other shit, but just about, like, folks kind of, rightfully so, Julius should be, I don't want to say scolded, but, like, yeah, as fans, we should be annoyed by the fact that, like, he got himself a technical in that in that moment, that crucial moment where, like, that's fr- that's three points you're giving away in crunch time, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, he he had a right to be that fucking pissed, you know what I mean? So I can't, and then I can't even front that on the fact that, like, he did, by far that was the best game he had that season. Like, in my opinion, that was his best game of the season so far, top to bottom as far as effort. And just looking at the numbers, you know what I mean? And it's kind of eye-opening to imagine what his scoring numbers would look like if he actually did get the calls that he deserved, you know what I mean? But... At the end of the day, I do agree. He shouldn't have got that technical at that moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it would be nice, though, if he's able to keep that kind of level of intensity every game. That's mm-hmm. something that's been an issue. I mean, I was just looking at the numbers earlier. His his shooting numbers are horrible right now. Like, they're they're terrible. Um, I think he's shooting under 35% from the three. I was just looking at some advanced numbers. He's ranking in the bottom half of his own team. And, you know... Last when you compare it to last season, obviously it's a bar that he's gonna continuously be compared to because you you kind of expect him to be able to at least you know be eighty to ninety percent of what he was last season, especially once he gets that max contract. So he and RJ both need to step it up. I don't know what's what's up with RJ. I know he left in the middle of the game. I haven't seen any updates. Have you? No, I mean that's that's like the Leon Rose front office to a T. They're gonna keep it tight lipped. You know what I mean? In fact, like half the roster seemed like it was questionable last night. And it seemed like, honestly, it seemed like we was gonna see Jericho Sims getting mad playing time that night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like I think it was like mad people was questionable. So I was just like, yo, it's probably gonna be eight available players, but a lot of them played. But point being, they're vague about injuries, and I didn't like that. It was just like, oh, he left because of an illness, and it was a non-COVID illness. But now I'm scared that it might be COVID. I don't know. Would they go to that extent to lie? I don't know. But that's mm-hmm. RJ, bro. I was. I was worried sick about that throughout the game. That was a stressful overall overall night, to be honest with you. Like the officiating, how close it was, and then the RJ situation. Yeah, we thought we thought Sims might get more minutes because we didn't know that Mitch was gonna play. So now Word. that we talk, now that Mitch, you know, is brought up, are you one of those? You know, were you some? Were you someone? What? Nah. Were you annoyed <laughs> at Mitch at that last second play when he fouled James Johnson? That basically got the two free throws that iced the game. Yeah, he should have just went straight up. And, like, I fucking hate Reggie on the call. I hate Reggie on commentary like most Knicks fans. I'd rather 
you know, just put the game on mute and just imagine my own commentary, you know what I mean? Because in my head, I've got to have, like, okay, this game is being called by Mike Bibby and Rashid Wallace right now, as opposed to Reggie Miller. I'd rather just, like... That's fucking combination. <laughs> bro, think about it, though. Like, Rashid himself could probably just, like, rip that shit. Rashid, like, I guess, but I don't know where you got Mike Bibby from. <laughs> I don't know, because I've been, like, watching the Manning cast as far as, like, the Monday Night Football games, and I'm just like, what's an, the oddest pairing of NBA legends you could put together? Because obviously Mike they're Bibby, the Manning the NBA brothers. legend. Well, he's not a... All right, what's the oddest pairing of NBA footnote players? <laughs> There's no disrespect to Mike <laughs> Bibby, but it's like he's a footnote in the grand scheme. Like, oh, yo, Mike Bibby was nice. Mike he's, Bibby he's was a footnote, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd kill to be a footnote in the grand scheme of things. Think about it, bro. All right. When you when you can make sense of it, let me know. Um, what were what were you talking? What was about? your question? I don't know, Mitch. bro. Now I'm Mitch. just like, yeah. yes, yes. Was that mad at Mitch? No, nah, obviously, yeah, because he should just went straight up, and that's part of just like being more disciplined as as a defender. But overall, disappointing for Mitch, which is the general theme that I personally have had with Mitch this season. And I feel like the the weight that he's obviously been talking about, like gaining and like flexing at every moment. Yeah, he's bigger, and yeah, he get a hold of his own against bigger, stronger guys. But it's obvious, like especially you watch him run up and down the court. He's not like that freakishly athletic gazelle that he was in the past seasons. Obviously, he that's the trade off of gaining weight and not playing. Obviously, he's still kind of somewhat getting back into game shape, but. Yeah, I'd up to long story short, yeah. Like I'm definitely upset. <laughs> yes, I'd fucking hate the fact that our center like fouled at a crucial moment and gave James Johnson some free throws. <laughs> Thank you for asking, bro. <laughs> Hard hitting question. <laughs> no doubt. But, I mean, but we're um, gonna point to the fact that Aldridge kind of pushed him there, but he still fouled. Nah, facts. facts. You know what I mean, like, he, I mean, foul, foul is foul. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Mitch's Twitter shenanigans? Just with his whole the whole general theme of his career being maturity issues would you qualify last night's uh tweet rampage or i don't know what the fuck you could qualify it as but would you qualify that as immature or problematic i, I don't like that he tweeted like a couple of minutes into the end of the game like he got he got into the locker room and took his phone out and put that shit right there he tweeted it right after before he, <laughs> he even before he even sat down <laughs> he even looked at the play i like it was it, it wasn't smart of him to do that. And at least, you know, he acknowledged it afterwards that he's going to get better and he'll improve from it, which is fine. You always want to see yeah, that. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we know he's not he, – he hasn't always been the most mature player. And he did put in a little bit of weight. I feel like he kind of regressed overall. Again, it's only been a few games since he's come back. And, you know, you hope that he's able to learn how to play with his with his weight. You know, he hasn't he, – he's never played with that kind of, uh, you know – that body weight before and he's he's been a leaper and always jumping at three-point shots he's averaging you know one and a half blocks per game but he did what he had to because he, he has a bang down low with some of the biggest guys in the nba especially in the east so i for one still think it's the right move dude looks like a monster when he's when he's on the court but he needs to be more disciplined and i mean he's 23 it'll 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 happen soon <laughs> sooner yeah, or later this is, this is our last season with him now so let me ask you another follow-up because Actually, you know what? Let's let's talk about the game uh, or something from the game itself last night that I want to like. Obviously, brief shout out to new starting point guard Alec Burks. He he's been cooking, or he was cooking last last night. But now you you want to chime in with a point or what? Yeah, no, I wanted to say my word 
right? The word oh, that, yeah, no, no, that, I've come, that I've come up with. And it, it ties into what you're saying. And for me, it's optimism. Like, I know bullshit was one. I think that's a clear number one. I'm not, I don't want to copy. So for me, it's optimism. And honestly, it starts with Alec Burks. So I'll throw it right back to you. No, I just want to give, like, I'm just like, yeah, yo, that boy Burks is hooping. You're like, yo, sir, time out. My word of the day is optimism. Carry on. All right, yeah. <laughs> I nah, mean, I'll, I'll, I, I, can, I can keep going on on why, but <laughs> can you do synonyms now or <laughs> looking up your thesaurus, optimism, um, 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 positivity. <laughs> um, but no, 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 I feel you on that. Just generally because you know we haven't addressed the what, what did uh what did Mark Berman say? He tweeted it was like uh, about Kemba. He was like, oh, the elephant has left the room. We haven't addressed oh, God. <laughs> the the elephant in the room. Um, he's the elephant in the room. I, I was just about to say that, like, anytime he just like just enters different rooms, the the floor in the previous room just says the elephant has just left the room. You see, that's <laughs> that's comedy. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I going with that? No, so we haven't talked about the Kemba situation, and um, tying that back to Mitch, right? Like. No, oh, no, Burks. Burks, 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 yes. Alec Burks has had very, you know, his numbers from his two starts, right, against the against the Hawks and last night's Nets. He's averaging 24 mm. points per game, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, and he's shooting 47% from three and 42% from the field goal. But when that time – And the reason why he's starting is because Kemba couldn't live up to what we exactly. hoped for Kemba. So I think there are – you know, there's a lot of stats out there that people put up to justify why he's no longer in the rotation. It was hella awkward that they kept putting, like he, he was in the bench. It was hella awkward. The, the video camera, like the camera, kept going to him for his reactions during the play. And he, dude, smiling. He's, he's a nice ass guy. Obviously, he's gonna be supporting his team, but it's fucking awkward. Um, do you did you see those stats that you know people were tweeting out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head right now, but I think Fred Katz of the Athletic had like the perfect summation. Mm-hmm. Like one of my homies, uh, like he travels a lot for his job, so he and but he's still a big Knicks fan. He has been able to watch most of the games. He probably only seen uh, a few, but he was asking me just like, "Yo, what's what's the situation with Kemba?" And I was just like, "Yo, here's here literally screenshot of the Fred that Fred Katz tweet. It was like, here's a summation, basically." Basically, Kemba's been. No, that was just the bomb I had set to go off. I don't know. <laughs> Completely ignore that. Um, yeah, so Kemba, basically, all the advanced stats basically said our team performed better, drastically better anytime he was off the court. And like, yeah, our starting lineup stunk, but as you see, like, the different members of the starting lineup and the numbers, as far as just, like, the different combos with and without Kemba, he was the common anchor in all those situations, weighing down all those lineups. And it fucking sucks because I, obviously I was one of those folks that bought into the Kemba or bought into the, the whole storyline of the Kemba homecoming narrative. And I was just optimistic as shit for what he could do for us. But now it looks like his knees are cooked. And to your point about optimism being tied to Burks, the op, the op, like the opposite of optimism is just, you know, pessimism pure negativity that's basically what the season would have boiled down to if we had tried to fucking stick with Kemba in the starting lineup bro because 
some people say it was too soon and maybe disrespectful to Kemba, but it was literally 25% of the season, a quarter of the way through. Like, we can't, we want to make this move like 50% of the way through. I feel like that's not enough time, you know what I mean? Or like too little time left in the season. But yeah, that's my take on the Kemba situation at least. Yeah, the the stat, you know, I have the tweet in front of me from Fred Katz. Shout out to Fred. Um, the Knicks have the best defense in the league when Kemba is on the bench. That's fucking crazy. And they're dead last when he's on the floor. Like, that's literally polar opposites when Kemba's on and off the floor. Best defense versus worst defense. And the Knicks are 27. And, like, you know, we we brought him in thinking that he'll improve the offense. And that was a flip for, you know, Alfred Payton. Um, but when when he's playing, he, the Knicks are 27th in the league. And they're ninth when he's not playing. So, you know, not, numbers don't lie. We, we all love Kemba, you know. His 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 run with with the Hornets was was dope. He had a solid eight seasons, and you know obviously UConn and the Bronx native, and we have a ton of respect for him. But the numbers right there are just you could just say it to anybody. There's no one out there who can justify why he should continue to be, you know, in the rotation for this team. And there there's another stat that that came out that the Knicks are outscored by 122 points. When Kemba was on the floor this season, that's the absolute yeah. worst plus minus for any player on a winning team right now. So, like that's it's it's crazy. It, it would have been nice if Kemba was on a team like I don't know, like five years ago with with Melo. That that would have been great. But you know, it, it the storyline was there, but it just it just wasn't the right time. And at this point, Kemba's career is kind of in question. But overall, despite Kemba's play, the Knicks are still eleven and ten. And that's a fifty-something percent winning streak. If that that's basically like a forty-three game winning season at this point. If the Knicks continue at the pace that they're going out, and with Kemba off the floor, the Knicks played excellent defense in, against the Hawks, keeping them at ninety points. And they played really well last night against the Nets. And I don't think anybody thought that the Knicks were going to run away with the W against the Nets. I mean, the, the Nets are literally the best team in the East right now, ranking wise. But they. They kept up with them. Julius only scored two free throws. Only had only took two free throws. And Alec Burks is a brand new starting point guard, and he's dropping buckets left and right. And we got we got the bench, you know, up and up and going. And you know, things look like they're starting to get back together because you're going back to the essentials and the basic, which is defense. And not to put all the blame on Kemba because he doesn't deserve all the blame for the defense. But <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the Knicks start, you know, starting five defense was horrible and. He was a big factor for it, for it, and now when you got six six Alec Burks, you know, guarding up these starting starting guards, that that's putting you know that that's it's clearly playing a big effect for the team uh, itself. So that's that's why you know after seeing last night's game, we only lost by two points despite all that, and uh, you know we're keeping up with the best of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big believer in moral victories, but. It- if there is such a thing as one, that game was, at the end of the day, as frustrating as it was. Um, so it's interesting that as, like, the news came out about Kemba being taken out of the rotation, Tibbs also mentioned that, like, he's going to shorten the rotation, and which is interesting because him last year, it was always, like, a 10-deep rotation, even through the playoffs. And he, was, he, he would do, like, the five-in, five-out, kind of like old-school sub-patterns. So when he said that, I took it to mean like on a consistent basis and say everybody was healthy. He wants nine guys out there. Do you think that with Burke starting, that's going to be like 
the major kind of source of turnaround for the team as a whole because now I feel like we're going straight back into the recipe that got us as far as we did. That's like everything centered around Julius, you know what I mean? We just spent a quarter of the season trying to do the whole Julius and Kemba as not co-stars, but like kind of like, okay, Julius is the guy, but oh, Kemba, we got to give him his time to like do his thing because he's the second guy or we want him to be the second guy. And they played the, that, you know, those cards and it didn't really work out because he wasn't good enough, like to your point, he wasn't good enough offensively to off, offset the damage he did to our fucking defense, bro. Like it hurts to say, but. You know what I mean? Like, he was he was an anchor for us on that end. But all that being said, do you think that's going to be what's going to drive us to, like, get back on track as far as, like, the elite trajectory we thought? Ju- like, going back to Julius over everything plus a short rotation where, you know what I mean? Everybody is familiar and plays tough defense. You know what I mean? I mean, why not? Right, that was a winning recipe last season, and to me, you know, the biggest factor apart from Kemba for for why the Knicks wasn't you know weren't winning the games that they should have been winning was Julius looked lost and he's shooting horribly and just he didn't he always, he didn't seem to know what his role on the team was. I think he knew he had to be a superstar and he was forcing shots, but at the same time he was being passive when he shouldn't have been passive. He just he just didn't look right, and yeah. last night was the first time in a while that he's looked that he's looked right. Even the Atlanta game, he didn't play so well. And luckily for, for us, the rest of the team played well. Um, at least offensively, he wasn't too good, but you know, he was, he was contributing elsewhere. But last night against the Nets was what we become accustomed to from last season. And that, that was a winning recipe. So I don't see why not. I mean, Alec Burks isn't a guy that you have to appease. He's a plug and play, whatever you want. He'll, he, he can do if he, if you need to dish the ball, if you need him to score, if you need him to play defense, he'll do all of the above. And, you know, that's that's what you need. I mean, n- not that Kemba Walker was someone that you needed to appease, but I think they felt that they had to because he was the quote-unquote prized, you know, free free agent acquisition from this past summer. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I think um, I feel I feel good about it, if that answers your yeah. question. No, I was asking, like, do you think you feel good about just like us going back to that recipe, Julius, as like, Everything centers out around him offensively. Is that not? I I don't want everything to. I you know I'm I'm a little disappointed with R J Barrett's play recently. I think he has a capability of stepping up, and we're yeah. seeing I Q and notably Obi Toppin doing things you know that they weren't doing last season. So he's gonna have more help, but I think he should still be the focal point in the offense while everyone else is contributing and elevating, you know, their level of play compared to last season. So. Why? What do you do? You, do you think that that's that should be the move, or what? What are your thoughts? No, I think at this point, because I'll be honest with you, what I'm about to say is like as as big as a, a fan of RJ as as I am as we are. I feel like he's not ready to take the mantle we wanted him to, you know, take the season, being like the definitive number two guy. I feel like going back to all Julius everything with a new lineup that doesn't have Kemba anymore and he's more comfortable playing and it's like obvious what the pecking order is. I think part of that also has to be we need to go back to just simplifying RJ's role. You know what I mean? Um, 
the the kind of ideal Evan and Julius two man game we wanted to see develop and become like a main cog of the offense without Kemba there trying to like you know demand touches or plays being run for him make that more of a centerpiece of the offense you know what I mean and to your point about Burks being plug and play dude is I mean sometimes he looked like Ray Allen on the catch and shoot bro like it's <laughs> yeah it's a nice looking jumper and obviously he can create he got like <laughs> quote unquote the pure hooper like persona, you know what I mean? When you see him play, I'm telling you, bro, it's like literally seeing a dude at the park like hoop. Like I mean that respect to Burke's game. And he's always been talented. It's always just like injuries have troubled him and he's turned into a journeyman based on that. But, you know, this is like one of the only times in, in his career outside of Utah where he's in one spot for multiple seasons and he gets to kind of build that rapport and kind of get comfortable within one system. And yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of excited to see where this takes us. Not to say that, like, we're all oh, we're going to be championship contenders, but we're going to be closer to kind of, as far as me personally, what I had expected of this team. I, I, I said 50 wins. Now I think we're closer to that direction or getting back on track to be that. You know what I mean? Um, it's going to be one last thing I want to throw back at you. There was some drama, obviously, around Obi's lack of playing time in that game. Obviously, it's, it's the it's in Brooklyn, hometown kid, or his, you know, like homecoming for Obi in that sense, and he didn't get the playing time, and it was like kind of like that that clip that floated around on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen that, where it was just like Obi and Tibbs, quote unquote, barking at each other or whatever, and people, the same body language, body language sci scientists and experts that be on Twitter residing there. You know, not using those specific skills to get ahead in real life. They're using it to break down NBA All-Stars on, on basketball Twitter. These people obviously read into that Obi and Tibbs situation and, you know, did what they what they do. But what do you make of that? Do you think there's some issues with Obi and Tibbs, bro? And I got to ask you, like, the New York Post-level tabloid question right now. <laughs> um, It's funny you mentioned that. I didn't see tweets for that going on, but I I, saw, I remember seeing it live. I'm like, oh shit, because I disagree with him pulling mm. out Ob because it was at a critical point. Uh, that was that was in the fourth quarter, right? Like halfway into the fourth quarter, and he he plugged them yeah, out yeah, and yeah. brought bitch back in. Um, yeah. Nah, man. Like for for this game, there's no reason why he is playing 11 minutes. I mean, outside of RJ because he got pulled out and Quinn Grimes to play two minutes. Are you know, Obi Topping got the least minutes in in this game. There's no reason why Nerlens Noel was playing close to 19 minutes, and no disrespect to him, but he didn't really do much this game. He, he was okay defensively, but he didn't put up any shots, only got a couple of rebounds, and, and that was it. And he played almost 19 minutes, almost 20 minutes, and that's, you know, eight to nine minutes more than Obi Toppin was, who was, you know, clearly, just from an eye-level test, was very productive. And, mm. you know, as far as problems with, with Tibbs, I didn't expect to see that, to be honest. I was very surprised that he did. I, I, I figured he was upset. I, I think most people would be upset in that in that kind of position. But <laughs> it was, I was surprised I did that with with Tibbs, and I hope it doesn't become a thing. But I don't see it in his personality, at least you know from what we see. Um, I think it's okay that he did it. I think players who want to play the game enough, and when they're on a roll and feel like they're being pulled out at the wrong minute, if if they want to make a complaint to their to their coach, then then do it. If you want to keep fighting for your minutes, then make it known that you want those minutes and not be passive. And you know, it, it's it's not always good to see, but at the same time, I'm sure they're they're 
you know, historically tons of superstar level players who have done the same exact thing early in their early in their years, you know, rookie year or sophomore year who've done the same thing. I can't think of one off the top of my head personally because I feel like you're going to ask me that, but you know, it's not, it's not all bad. I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect the whole soliloquy right now. I mean, I was just going to make a quick joke that like, I literally thought it was nothing. It was like a split second of just them, like just barking at each other, move on. You know what I mean? And I would be surprised if somebody that's like, I guess from my read on who Tibbs is and who Obi seems to be as far as like his personality wise, I'll be surprised if that doesn't happen like all the all the time in practice. You know what I mean? Like if that's not like an everyday occurrence where they're just barking at each other, because you know Obi does deserve more playing time. But as far as that specific instance, I wasn't mad at them Tibbs bringing Mitch back in because it was a tight game. You want to have. You know, at this stage, say what you will, Mitch has been disappointing, but he's still I still trust him on the defensive end more than OB, especially as far as, like, defensive rebounding and the, the size and presence. So I wasn't totally mad at OB being uh, taken out of that situation. But, yeah, generally he does need more playing time, and my hope is if we do go with a nine-man rotation, um, which wouldn't be a good thing for Grimes because he'd be, at that stage, he would be the odd man out. But if we do go with the nine-man rotation, I feel like all these minutes need to be uh, increased to the point where him and Randall should be getting a lot of minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be an all-the-time crunch time thing, in my opinion, at least not at this stage. But it's something that Tiff should be willing to break out more often in these crunch time situations. It just so happens in that Brooklyn game at that stage, I thought Mitch was a, was a better, like... Was a better uh, call at that at that point in the game, but um, nah, you're right. The Noel is cooked, bro. Like I think as far as like him playing in that game, I think that was just Tibbs trying to, you know, throw his vet a bone, see what he's got, and if Tibbs is really like turned a new leaf, he's not on his elf shit anymore. Where say what you will, it could be CAA ties that why elf started most of the season, or it could be that he you know genuinely valued. Elf, but I think if he's truly a new person and going back to the Kemba situation, I think Noel will be out of rotation soon, especially after what Jericho Sims did in the Atlanta game, bro. That was the game that kicked off my initial optimism. I legit thought we'd beat Brooklyn. You made a good point that they're at the top of the the top of the top right now, basically, even without Kyrie. But I legit thought even at the end of that game, despite all the bullshit, we was gonna win. But the Atlanta game is where that positivity or positivity all kind of got kick-started you know what i mean mm-hmm. um bro your quick thoughts from that game so we talked about the bad bullshit game let's talk about the game that actually yo all right we saw the young kids do their thing bro fuck trey young that's that's my thought agreed i concur we good <laughs> no yeah um yeah. we can call it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was dope to see the Knicks, you know, and the Hawks winning streak. They won seven in a row, and then until they, you know, caught up with the Knicks, they scored a hundred point, hundred and ten points in every one of those games, and the Knicks held them to ninety. <laughs> so, you know, once again, defense wins games. And Trey, you know, he scored thirty three, ten off, ten of twenty two. But you know, the Knicks did a good job on the rest of the players. Uh, Mitch looked great, I think, and obviously Sims looked great. Um, you know when you you know when they're banging down low with Clint Capella who's no joke and John Collins who was held to just 12 points you know 4 of 10 
he couldn't be effective, even though he was pretty good against the Knicks, you know, truth be told, um, in the playoffs last season. But I think the Knicks did a good job. Um, Randall did not play too well. He was 3 of 14, but he did get um, 11 rebounds and 4 assists. And I think he was very solid with his decision-making. And I think that was kind of, you know, a step that he needed to take um, because he, again, seemed very passive in the, in, the, in the games prior. But from a stat that I have, he put in he, – he had 39 passes, and half of those led to shot attempts. So they were, they were good passes that he made uh, for, for good shots. And he was getting back into playing that point four role. There was not much of that confusion on whether the ball goes to Kemba or him because Kemba wasn't in this game. This is his first game. This was a back-to-back and that's why Kemba wasn't playing. He wasn't officially out of the rotation yet. Um, but, you know, this is our chance to see uh, Alec Burks. I think he dropped, like, what, 25 in this game? Something like that? What, how much did he drop? Big he money, bro. 23. Big money Alec so, Burks, bro. Big money AB. Pardon. I don't want to mess up the whole moniker, bro. <laughs> Put some respect on Burks' name, bro. It's time. It's Alec Burks' time. Alec Burks got us. <laughs> 20, <laughs> 23 points, 4 of 7 from the 3, all clutch shots. Um, and you know, Evan Fournier has stepped up as well. He, nah, the Knicks yeah. are seven. And and 0, I, mean, I don't want to say stepped up though. I don't want to say stepped up because there was some very frustrating defensive moments last night, but like, I generally do agree. Good things are happening. Fournier just, just wanted to throw that in there. Cause he, he's getting better. Lie, I was cursing his name a little bit. Us. He, he did hit the clutch basket at the end to tie the game. So That's I, true. I'm going to, I'm going to let that one kind of supersede his his faults i think he made up for it but the knicks are seven and zero when he scores 15 or more actually i don't know if that applies anymore maybe they're seven one now after last night he scored fucking brooklyn what he score now nah, he scored 13 points so the knicks are still seven and zero when he scores 15 points that's funny if he made that last basket he would have gotten 16 points and the knicks would have won fuck yo the prophecy <laughs> is foretold bro like <laughs> that shit is yeah. basically like law now. All right, we gotta keep that in mind now. Yeah. What are your? That might actually help with. What are your two cents? Bad. What are your two cents with the Knicks Hawks game? On the Knicks Hawks game or on Evan, or Knicks Hawks in general? Generally. If you want to bring Evan into it, that's cool. <clears throat> um. Now my biggest takeaway from that is just like it was. It was very dope to see Tibbs play the kids. I'm not one of those people that was, like, demanding Tibbs just go all young all the time because I do – I see the logic in the way he's handling our youth, especially over the last two seasons or the two-season sample size we have with uh, Tibbs, pardon. Um, I feel like it all makes sense. He puts them in kind of structured roles and puts vets – he would prefer to have vets ahead of them, and if vets are unavailable for whatever reason due to rest or injury, the kids will get playing time, and they did that game. And they did their thing, bro. Like, Jericho Sims, I mentioned it previously, bro. I was, if, if like, half, if, you know, if Mitch and Noel didn't play or if Noel didn't play, I was very excited at the prospect of seeing Jericho Sims uh, against Brooklyn. Because um, because of what I saw from Atlanta, like, this kid was a 58 overall pick, bro. We know his athleticism, obviously, the, just his alley-oops going back to summer league, but... Bro, we have this kid on a super cheap contract for, like, at least the next three seasons. Um, possibly more. Up, like, that's our choice. And I think he's the same age as Mitch. Maybe he's a, a year younger. But it's kind of crazy how he's he went from lo- kind of looking lost on defense early in the year to, like, how comfortable he looked against Atlanta. How good he looked just, like, banging against their bigs. And 
Team sent some good ass screens, bro. Like not to get super like Utah Jazz fan. You know what I mean? Like the way these motherfuckers in Utah stand uh, Rudy Gobert is funny. He's like, yo, he leads the league in screen assists. Get the fuck out of my face, please. <laughs> you fucking dork. So I'm not going to go appear into that territory with Jericho. But just generally, I like what I saw from him. But he he, and, he, he does do some good-ass screens, though. Yeah, because, yo, bro, he's strong as shit, bro. And I think that's just, like, natural strength that Mitch didn't necessarily have when he came in. Because Mitch, obviously, previous Mitch was, like, a gangly, goofy, tall motherfucker with, like, you know, length and athleticism. But nevertheless, I, dug, I really liked the Atlanta game. It um It almost felt like... The effort we saw against Phoenix, I don't want to say that it was purpose, like, on purpose, they, like, looked like they were sleepwalking through that shit, but it almost felt like they went into the Phoenix game, like, yo, these motherfuckers are hot, but we have Atlanta the next game, and we don't really fuck with those guys, so let's kind of, like, you know what I mean? Obviously, they set out to win every game, but I wouldn't be surprised if mentally there was, like, oh, we have that's obviously a back-to-back, we have a more, you know, um, tangible win the next day, and we owe Atlanta. Um, so yeah, it was good to kind of have that win to get the bad taste out of our mouths. Um, shout out to Phoenix though, bro. I slept on them in the off season when we did our predictions. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. They are legitimately historic right now. I saw, it was literally Chris Paul's like CP3. This motherfucker is a point guard. I don't want to hear it anymore. Like his legacy is, has been like, uh, sustained in that regard. But he's literally, this is his third franchise that he's led on like a 15 game winning streak or something like that. 15 or 16 game winning streak. Some some crazy shit like that. Clippers, um, Rockets, and then obviously Phoenix now. That's legendary shit, bro. Yeah, for sure. They they beat the Warriors, who were on a, what, 7-0 win streak. And uh, they beat them pretty well. Like, yo, DeAndre Ayton is no joke neither. And uh, what's his face? <laughs> you said um, that twice already, bro. Who's who's literally not the joke? Is it Clint Capella or DeAndre Ayton? You're right. You're right. Because, like, if neither are of these gentlemen are jokes, then who really is? You. Um, the, uh... <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Walk right into that one. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Nah, right. nah, man. Quick, they... quick, th- quick thoughts on Chicago, and we're going to close this one out. I'm, I'm disrespected and disturbed. <laughs> Yo, like, if I, if I had to be an unbiased person, Knicks versus Chicago is one of the most unpredictable games, honestly. Like... The Bulls have been, I got to admit, a very good team. They're second in the East right now. And this game is, where are they playing now? They're playing in in New York tomorrow? I think so. MSG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a home game. All right. All right. Knicks got it. Knicks got it. Yeah, I mean, we 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 lost to them by a couple points. United Center. Yeah. Yeah, we split the the two games in Chicago. Um yeah, I mean, I think we got it. Um, just because Kemba's out the rotation, um, it's it's. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean not to obviously yo about. I had this man as my lock screen on on my phone for a minute, and then like it was getting embarrassing with the numbers he's putting up, embarrassing me out here, bro. <laughs> um, but just generally, I feel like it. It's like the trickle down effect. Obviously, I mentioned on our last episode that with. Uh, Julius, Fournier, and Kemba, we almost had too many cooks in the kitchen. You know what I mean? We had to extract one of them. I thought it would be Fournier. Not that he was playing bad, but, like, I felt like Burks would be a better fit. Tibbs agreed with Burks as a good fit. He just decided to blow all of our minds and get Kemba out of there. Because I thought, 
ideally on a super objective label le- level, I thought it had, it had to be Kemba, but I, we didn't entertain that possibility because the whole storyline, the whole narrative, the franchise is pushing it themselves, and politically, I thought like, yeah, they're gonna give Kemba, former All Star, homecoming Bronx born kid, more time. Nah, Tim's like, nope. <laughs> you can literally not argue with the facts. He probably had like Brock Aller banging on his door on a day to day basis. He's like, yo, look at these fucking Kemba numbers, please. You know what I mean? Because he, Tim's not reading his email for Brock. I bet you <laughs> he moved that shit to the spam folder. Said Brock had to track him down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But just generally speaking. With that trickle-down effect, I think Fournier is going to play better. I think Burks, it all just fits better. And I feel like in the concepts of the team team we want to be or have to be to be really succeeding, it's all-out effort. Everybody buys into the system. It's every link in the chain works together to make some strong as a strong unit. Now they got the weakest link out of there. Sorry to Kemba. It's not Charlotte. It's not even the early first, seas, first time or tenure in Boston. It's what he is now. He's seem to be struggling with the new reality of who he is with his uh with his bum knees, bro. Yeah, Sad. I'm sure he'll be fine with the Shanghai Sharks. Um Hey <laughs> <laughs> Is that Steph's team or no? I don't, I don't fucking know. I had a Starbird? Maybe. Um if he had to throw a prediction out there for a score, you know, just for fun, what would you what would you predict? A score. I mean fuck I look like FanDuel. Say Knicks by a million. <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm, I'm some real shit though. I do think it's gonna be close. It's at I, if it's at home. I think this could be like one of those situations where we're up by a couple with when the starting lineup is in, and then once the bench comes in and like we really take off, I think it could be a situation where we go into the halftime and with like a double digit lead a good enough cushion to cancel out our typical third quarter of doom, which I think would set up a dramatic fourth quarter because I feel like these, this series with Chicago throughout the season, it's going to be close kind of tussle situation. Um, just because they trying to be where we were last year. And we're trying to like, you know, obviously prove that we still here. Uh, you see what I did there? Cause we was mm. here la- last year. <laughs> we're still here. This You see, so this is the, <laughs> see what I did now. Nah, um, but no, I think it'll be a close game. I don't think it gets to overtime. At least I hope not, because I'm washed. And I can't stay up that late. Got work the next day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think we win by. Well, we lost the last one by two. We win this one by two. How about that? What about you? What's your score prediction? I mean, the the Knicks are playing at home, and this season they have not been too good at home. Um, honestly, I I think it might go similar to the way it was against the Nets. When it'll be kind of close, and then the Knicks will be down by ten, and then they'll they'll make a comeback, and then instead of you know, the way it ended with with Brooklyn, it's gonna be the opposite, and they're gonna win by like four points, like one hundred six, one hundred two type shit. But they're gonna they're gonna yeah. have to do a comeback, is is the way I see it. So you just just bite my whole my whole answer. All right, all right, I see what we're doing here. All right then. Um, Wait, you said I that? I, I thought you said they're gonna be ahead. And then the Bulls were going to catch up. And then they just had to fight it out till the end. I said that the Knicks were going to be down by like 10 points at some point in the third quarter, late in the third, early fourth. Whatever. Anyway, right. anyway. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you follow us on all 
podcasting platforms and social media at Nickish Show, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, make sure you give us that five star review on Spotify and Apple uh, Podcast. Um, make sure you tune in for another episode coming up later this week. We appreciate you guys again for checking out this episode of Nickish. Until next time, take care. Peace.